0: Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been kind of exciting, uh, 24 hours, and um, obviously a dream come true. Ah, oh, Josh Norris, as the summer of Pierre continues... He's talking a little bit about his new contract, an eight-year deal worth a smooth $63 million. We'll talk about that. Who's the new number one goalie in Ottawa? Tim Stutzla. What's he going to get points-wise this year? Are the Sens getting another top four defenseman or not? And Matthew Joseph off to arbitration. All that and more coming up today on the Sens Nation podcast brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Greg, I think everybody's excited to have Norris done, but I think, you know, $7.9 million a year is... Probably more than most people thought it would be.
1: Well, it's definitely more than we thought it would be if he would have signed earlier, uh, after the season that he had uh, a real breakout. Let's hope, uh, let's hope he continues to improve and gets better and better as he gets older and the contract uh, ages. Well, um, I really thought that he was a candidate for a for a bridge deal, both both from the Senators thinking it was a good idea and from Norris wanting to do it. But hey, you lock a guy up for eight years if he's as if he's as good in five, six, seven years as he is now, and gets better in over those years, then it's it's well worth the, the money, and it comes in below below Kachuk's money.
0: Yeah, and I thought I was thinking all along that if I'm you know, Craig Oster, who is the same agent that uh, Brady Kachuk has, that why would I expect less than Kachuk type money? It's a little less, yes, but it's basically the same, give or take three hundred grand. Um, I thought that that was going to be. A tough thing, because a lot of people are talking, okay, yeah, six, seven million, yeah, that'd be good. But he's close to eight, and uh, I think that's that's about what I expected when all was said and done, to be honest. Most people, I thought, you know, again, we're going to seven, six, seven million, seven million. But uh, I guess I'm a little surprised that it's this early. We're at 59 days before opening night. Josh Norris has an eight-year contract with almost eight million. Well, I, I, I can only assume that the Sens came in with a number that was pretty close
1: to that and were therefore willing to take it. I mean, like you say, they could they have come in and said, uh, you know, how about uh, 6 million or 6.5 times 8 or, you know, thinking maybe we'll end up at 6.5 times 6 or times 5. But obviously they were happy with it and, and – um, as you sort of alluded to, if it were three months ago, and we told you that Josh Norris was going to be signed this early in the off season uh, for eight years at under eight, we all would have said, yeah, beauty. So yeah. You, you can't really, you know, within a vacuum. Yeah, it's different. But when you consider those other things then maybe you could have said, Hey pal, you know, let's, let's see what, uh, let's see what we can work them for and grind them down. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, uh, it works for me you've locked up a lot of your top six now you just got Stutzla coming up next I guess right
0: yeah and is there any reservation whatsoever like uh, we just watched Colin White leave this organization at the time of his signing we were all expecting you know there's a guy that's uh, you know high 40s points he's going to take the next step moving forward and uh, well that contract ended up being a disaster and uh, he's now a member of the Florida Panthers after a buyout here do you have any reservations at all do you feel like a hundred percent that Josh Norris is going to keep moving upward, or is there any chance at all that you think that this could end up, before it's all said and done, being what's considered a mistake contract?
1: No, I think it. I think it will age very well, uh, mainly because the player is different. He's not Colin White. Um, he didn't uh, get build his stats by playing with... Well, he did in a sense, right? He played with the two best... Arguably the two best guys in the team. But the rest of the supporting cast is so much stronger now than it was after Colin White signed that there isn't going to be a drop-off because he's got different players to play with. We know who he's going to play with, or at least we have a pretty good idea. If it's not the same two guys as last year in Kachuk and Batherson, then, oh, maybe we'll throw a Jabricket in there or maybe we'll throw a Claude Giroux in there. I, there's, there's just... I cannot see... A fall off statistically speaking from Josh Norris moving forward
0: yeah I would agree and thank you for not chuckling when I asked the question and I don't think there's any chance that sense fans aren't happy with this guy over the next eight years Colin white on the other hand it was pretty clear pretty early that that was a contract that should never have been signed and uh, I don't think there's any comparison at all it's one of those deals again Greg where I just ask questions to provoke conversation (laughs) I do not believe that uh, that Josh Norris is going to disappoint anyone with that contract Now, when you look now at the rankings of uh, contracts, whether it's salary or cap hit, man is Drake Batherson, our good podcast pal, a bargain. Whether you're talking about average annual value or cap, same thing in this case. Kachuk is number one at 8.2, Shabbat at 8, North 7.95, Giroux 6.5, Debrink at 6.4, and Greg, it seems insane to me now that Batherson is a million and a half behind the top five paid players on this hockey club. That seems like madness. I'd never thought we'd see it, but here we are.
1: Well, it's it, it's the circumstance, right? They they went out. Two of those guys that are ahead of him weren't here the day he signed. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it, when he signed, uh, I think that if it were six or six and a half or something, we'd all have gone, whoa, not quite, hold your horses. The, the the same sort of things you just hypothesized there with, with the Norris contract, will it age well and that sort of thing, same sort of questions can be asked of, of the Drake. You know, is he a consistent guy who's going to continue to produce at the same sort of clip or isn't he? You know, we're, we're going to find out and it won't be that expensive to find out, which is nice. Like it really is a, a team-friendly contract if, if he continues to climb and grow and develop the way that he has so far. And if he doesn't, then okay, if he stays at the same, then that's a pretty good contract.
0: Yeah, I agreed. I mean, 4.95 is a lot of money, yes, but uh, that's for the player he is now, I think. You know, if he hadn't gotten injured this year, this is a guy that's well into the 30s and goals scored. and uh, So what he is right now, I think, is already uh, making that contract a bargain. If he improves, and I think you you and I both agree he will, it's going to be a joke how, how cheap that salary is. And when you look at salaries, Patterson's even further down the list. So here's your lineup. Number one at nine million for this fall is Debrinket. Giroux next at seven. Kachuk will be six point five. Norris will be five. And then Zaitsev sneaks in there at four point five. <laughs> Shabbat at four. And then Batherson at three point five. Phenomenal. Phenomenal deal for the Sens on that one.
1: Yeah, and actual dollars paid. Yeah, you're you're right. Like it just I mean, good on Pierre Dorian. Like you could really argue. That things started to turn around uh, with the signing of Batherson. Like that might be the first, the 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 summer of of Dorial really started with some good smart moves that he made during the season. They he he got good value out of the Nick Paul trade. He made a good signing here. Um, he bought out a couple of people that we don't want around anymore. Traded a couple of riffraff pl- pieces. He's had a really good year, really, as as GM of the Senators.
0: For sure, he has. So if you're handing out medals for the Best Sends news stories, what would they be? I'll give you mine. See how they yeah, line give up. You yours. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure if I've given you enough time to think about this. <laughs> but my gold medalist is to brink it, not just for the player and the nature of the deal, which are all part of it, not just for those things, but just because that was the one that really made me buy into the, the rebuild being an honest effort that the vow of unparalleled success isn't just a thing somebody said to all the people that, you know, support this team, the investors, the sponsors, you know, that there was just something you say to inspire them to open up their wallets. No, I'm believing in it now, this whole vow of unparalleled success, and that was the turning point for me, the Alex DeBrinkett deal. After that, Daniel Offertsons, admission into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and then Claude Giroux, the signing there. These are all big deals for Ottawa Senator fans, and they're my gold, silver, and bronze medalists. How about you?
1: I hadn't thought about uh, Alfie. I was so so zoned in on what's going on in the last week or two, but I agree with you on the right. gold is to brink it. Um, the other plus to it is I think it, it sends a message to the rest of the league that this might be a destination. I think it probably helped with getting Claude Giroux. Although, those are, although there's a part of me that thinks that Giroux was pretty much done deal long before it got to free agency. I just had a feeling it, it might have happened no matter what. But it just makes it all that much better to bring it. Uh, I think to bring it signing or sorry, the acquisition to bring it uh, led to and helps with the signing of Norris. So I, I really put to bring it th- that that's number one. And plus, of course, didn't give up a heck of a lot to, to acquire him. Um, I want to say my number two is getting out from under Matt Murray, (laughs) just regardless of how well he plays in Toronto. And, you know, there's even a part of me that kind of wants to see him do well, but regardless of what happens, I think the relationship was done here and that could have affected everything. I think that if you're trying to make a trade for a player that people know that you're not happy with, and he's not happy with you, it affects the, the return uh, I, I think to, to get out from under the dollars and to clear up the the crease situation, uh, I think really uh, that's that's my silver medal, and and yeah, I'll, I'll give the bronze to Alfie. Although I would consider the, the Giroux signing in there, I would consider the, um, the the Camp Talbot acquisition in there too. But yeah, it, since you mentioned Alfie, I hadn't thought about it before. But yeah, Alfie getting into the hall—that's that's definitely right up there too.
0: Yeah, and that's another great sign of the clouds lifting because uh, that's what sort of started it all this summer so uh, the thing is the summer's not done yet and uh, we're not even that far removed from free agency we're only in f- what five days into the, th- the thing are the Sens going to go out and get that top four D or not because being the Connor Brown fan I am as you may have noticed here on the program that's the only thing that will make giving him up for a second rounder palatable to me You know, it's a timing issue, you want to get him off the books so you can do something else. If there's no top four D around the corner, I'm not going to be very happy about the Connor Brown loss with him going for a second rounder to the Washington Capitals. It's not the trade, it's that you only got a second rounder. The only thing that makes that excusable is if there's more shopping to be done, and certainly the number one thing on your shopping list has got to be that top four D. Is it going to happen though, Greg?
1: Well, I had mentioned a couple names a while ago, and one of them was John Marino. I was kind of disappointed that he got traded this week, and I, I, I did read after the fact that the Sens were in on him, so I was glad to see mm-hmm. that. I just that the, the market is dwindling, but I've thought all along it was going to have to be a trade. I don't think that there's a free agent out there. I don't want it to be Chickren because I don't want to see him forced into playing his offside, and I think the cost would be too much to get a Chickren because of the the team control factor that's involved with his contract. Maybe it's Mackenzie Wieger, although I can't – for the life of me, I don't understand why why Florida is even entertaining ideas or talking about or thinking of trading Mackenzie Wieger. But I think he would be the guy, and that's the guy I'd be targeting if he is, in fact, available. I think that would be a really good pickup here. I, I think that, the, yes, to answer your question simply, yes, there will be a top 4D here before training camp. I just don't know who it will be at this point.
0: I think another name I said uh, going into the off season that was kind of of interest would be Josh Manson, but he's already been dealt with. And uh, the other one that's still out there is John Klingberg, and that was another one going into the off season that I was kind of psyched about. I was even like, I even did a quick little search on Twitter to see what people were saying about Klingberg, and I found my own tweet from like a year and a half ago that was talking about how Klingberg was pissing me off. (laughs) He was basically saying, somebody on the Ottawa Senators needs to sort Klingberg out in this game soon. It sort of speaks to what I think of the guy in that, you know, I think they're, I mean, the Don Cherry effect, right? If you're a Swedish defenseman, there's the the thought of, okay, he's not going to be very physical or anything like that. Um, I think he's got a lot more Ulf Samuelson in him than Nicholas Lidstrom in him as far as uh, being a bit of a an ornery character. So I like that about him. Plus, he's good with the pocket. He can put up stats as well. So that would be the guy that I would be most interested. One of, Certainly going into the offseason, he was one of the guys I was most interested in. And now he's there's not many guys left when the music stops here. Uh, Klingberg is still out there. But talking to a lot of teams, highly coveted right now, and we'll see where he lands up.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know that the Sens can afford him or should want to afford him. That's that's maybe a better way to put it. The, I, they, they do have room uh, cap wise, but for the length of contract that's going to be required here, for the dollars that's going to be required, I don't know that that's one that's going to age well. Um, I just I'm not sure that he's he's the right guy under the circumstances of what's going to be required. Like if you were under contract and had three years left or something, yeah, let's let's make a deal somehow or other. But as long as it's free agency, I don't know that the Senators should be trying to. Should be competing in that. You know what I am trying to say there.
0: All right, yeah. I don't know that again. That's that's part of why they got. I would hope that they got rid of Connor Brown because they need his three point six to go shopping for a defenseman. But I, again, I guess it remains to be seen whether that's true or not. Nobody has said that from the organization. It is also possible that knowing that DeBrinket's going to make nine million and Giroux going to make seven million, perhaps the Connor, Connor Brown thing was just a trade to pay for those guys, and not necessarily a high end defenseman.
1: Yeah, because Klingberg's gonna want seven or eight, I I would think, yeah. and he's not gonna sign for three or four years. I mean, the guy's gonna be looking for at least six years, and I just don't know that it's gonna age well. I'd I'd, I'd rather have somebody else. Let's let's let somebody else make the possible mistake on that deal, and not uh, and not us, not not Ottawa. Find a way to get rid of Zaitsev's money. That'll help you with finances too that'll give you more money to spend and, and maybe you can find somebody else or else, or I'm, I'm convinced it's going to have to be a trade, but somebody's out right. there and Pierre, Pierre will find him in the summer of Pierre. This defenseman will be found.
0: Who would argue it the way uh, the season is going so far. We do know that Matthew Joseph is an RFA. Well, he's scheduled to go to arbitration. He filed for arbitration. The reality is, you know, when you look at 24 guys around the league who did same filed for arbitration, The majority of them won't go like last year. I think there was 17 guys that filed and zero ended up only two. I think actually set an arbitration hearing date and even they got it done before the date. So it probably isn't actually going to go to arbitration. They generally don't because it can be an ugly situation. I mean, that's, that's quite been, that's been famously talked about over the years that sometimes a player will come out of there feeling pretty nasty about the organization for the things they end up saying about them in these arbitration hearings. But uh, Matthew Joseph made, let's see here, where are we at here? tag find this year where he is at financially? Was he only really making $737,000 last year? Is that possible?
1: Sounds about right. Yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, there's a guy who came in and was a, over a point a game in Ottawa. What do you think he makes in Ottawa next year?
1: I mean, he's got, he's got to be looking for a couple like two mil, maybe two and a half, maybe even three mil, but, uh, what you're asking for and what you're looking for is often different from what you're going to get. I think that uh, both yeah. of us were on record as thinking he was going to get three by three. Um, but now that he goes to arbitration, we maybe, uh, it, it's not a bad idea. Let the guy to go to arbitration. The arbitrator gives him a dollar amount. If you're comfortable with what the arbitrator may give him, then you're, then the senators are going to go ahead and do it. If, uh, if Joseph thinks the arbitrator is going to give him less than he's looking for, then uh, he may not want to do it. You know, it's a difficult situation, which explains why so many of them don't end up getting to, to even getting to a hearing. Uh, I think he comes in at, at two or to two and a half now, probably, since since uh, since the lineup sort of is more set now in a top six scenario, and maybe he doesn't fit in there. That helps the senator argument to say to him, you know, you're basically going to be a third line guy. Three times three is not a bad deal. Why don't you take it? Uh, I don't know. What, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, it's about that. I think it's probably doable at that number. And it's funny uh, how shocked I was because I've never bothered to look at exactly what Matthew Joseph was making when he arrived with the Ottawa Senators and to see him come in in his 11 games before he ended getting an injury with that, I don't know it was a sternum or a rib injury, he had 12 points in the 11 games he played for the Sens. So if you're a Sens fan and you didn't bother to look at Cap Friendly, you'd probably go, oh yeah, that's there's a guy probably making, you know, you know $4 million a year or something like that. But uh Yeah. The number he's at right now, I don't know that he's due for a big race. And I think the Sens, you make a good point, that if the Sens do let an arbitrator get in on this thing, and he's he's not going to look necessarily at a guy who played 232 games in his career so far. He's not going to put all the stock in the 11 games. And besides those 11 games for the Ottawa Senators, what an arbitrator will see is this guy hasn't been a scorer by any stretch. 18 points in 58 games last year with Tampa, 19 and 56 before that. Uh, and his uh, only other full season in the NHL, 26 points in 70 games, so that number is, uh, yeah, likely to be two or less, I would think.
1: Yeah, so that that's what I'm saying. So, do you want to, if if you are Matthew Joseph, or right, do you want to take that risk? Uh, um, you know, do you think, oh, geez, the arbitrator is not going to give me very much? Or if you're the Ottawa Senators, do you do you do you take your line of thinking that yeah, he's only worth like a million and a half or two at most? But geez, maybe some arbitrator will turn around and want to give him two and a half or three, you know. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a crapshoot. But uh, he may be a guy that they play hardball with and and go to go to arbitration and and get a nice, nice low number and and work with it and uh, sign him to something later. Take a here's your here's your low number and show me. Go out and have a good year. Maybe we'll talk at the end of the year and come up with something bigger for next year.
0: Yeah, it's the price of opportunity. If I'm the agent for Matthew Joseph, I'm. I'm rolling in there with maybe a show me dealer, you know, a couple of years at the number you indicated. Give him a chance to prove himself, because for two reasons, he's in great shape here. Because with Connor Brown gone now, I think that he's the most likely guy to play up in the lineup, and really pad his stats. If there's an injury in the top six, he'd be the guy that I'd most likely go to at this stage, and uh, and he's also got the attention of the Ottawa Senators. You know, a 12 point run in 11 games, they like him a lot. And he's got a very good third line to work with because he's going to be a bottom six with most competitive teams. And uh, this particular bottom six is pretty nice. I mean, that, you know, that, that, that third line I'm speaking of in particular with Pinto and Formanton, he he still could put up a bunch of points playing on the third line for this team. So not many teams you can say that about. And uh, I would say if I'm his agent, here's the price of opportunity Maybe not what you're looking for, but get this thing done because you're in a good situation in the nation's capital.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said. He's a third line guy on this club who's going to play with Foreman and Pinto, and a third line guy on most teams in this league doesn't make three million dollars. <laughs> right? So just yeah. take take what you can get. You know, it, you know, get a raise, take what you can get and go on.
0: Certainly, all eyes are on the top six, and this is, I think, I think by any objective hockey observer's opinion, I mean it's just got to be top third in the league right now, as far as what you've got now in the top six.
1: Oh God, yes, there's no question about it. You you've got you, you, like you don't, don't. Who's the weakest guy in your top six? Like, is it is it Giroux because he's old? is it uh a batherson because he's not uh veteran and proven himself or norris hasn't proven himself is it stroslo because he's he's just still got so much potential but hasn't proven it yet like uh, uh, who's the weakest guy in the top 6 i have no idea i just know that
0: that's a solid top 6 whoever you think is the worst one i can find you a sens fan who thinks he's the best one that's how close it is <laughs> it's a uh, it's 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 really yeah. elite right now and uh is not there's no shame in being the the sixth best player in the top six for the Ottawa Senators, there's no doubt. But how many points do you think Tim Stutzler will get this season? We all expect Stutzler to take a big jump forward offensively. He'll be another year more mature. God, I swear, if you look at my Twitter account, and I I think it was Mike Kloss, he just sent me randomly one hour of highlight video from Tim Stutzler last season, and I was blown (laughs) away at the amount of skill. Because most of the skill we think about you know, in terms of, okay, a goal was scored on that play. There were so, so many skilled moments in that 60-minute video. It reminds you that, uh, you know, not all the great moments are, are you know, finished off with a goal. Uh, he, he did a, a, so many magical things. Long story short, where does he come in this season as far as points go now that he's got two linemates like Giroux and Dabrinkit?
1: Yeah, like this This could go, if he plays with them, like if there's some chemistry right off the bat, then there's no reason that he can't score 25, and there's no reason he can't get 45 assists, if not more. I don't know that he's quite a point-a-game guy, but if it's a full-bore breakout lookout, Tim Stutzla has arrived, then yeah, he's a point-a-game guy. I would think from a realistic standpoint, though, uh, 25 goals, I'd say 45 assists. What's that? 25 and 45. That's 70 points.
0: There, That, mm-hmm. that, that would be my projection. What are you? I'm 35 45. I think your numbers, I, that would have been a nice pick for me before the two acquisitions, new line mates. I'm going to put them at 35 45. And uh, it could be as low as 70. It could be as high as 100. I don't even know. Sky's the limit for this guy for sure.
1: Well, I think it depends who he plays with the most. Uh, If it's it and it's finishing 40 times, then there's a whole bunch of apples there for Stutzla. I think the other factor here is where does Stutzla figure in on the power play? Is he on the first unit? Is he on the second unit? And then whichever unit he's on, which spot is he in? Um, Those two things will factor in. I I would think that two or three weeks into the season, we can take a look at this and say, yeah, it looks like it's going to go this way and he's going to get x number of points and I bet both of us would be pretty darn close to to nailing the projection then after we after we see a a good month of the season
0: if you're thinking about a nice used vehicle for the summer maybe a little uncertain about it you want to make a smart choice well jim k ford our title sponsor removes all of your worries and we hope to give them a shot jim k ford is your ottawa certified pre-owned ford dealer how about a 12 month 20,000 kilometer limited warranty coverage Full history report of the vehicle, purchase financing rates 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That's peace of mind. Check out JimK4.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. I know you think as we change gears and talk a little bit about the uh, the target, I know you think that right now, Camp Talbot is probably your number one in Ottawa. But I want to go a little deeper on that and, and, get, and pick your brain as to why that is because I'm, I'm really on the fence about it right now because on, Anton Forsberg just signed that new contract. He's beloved in that dressing room, and uh, he's a battler. You know, the guy's bounced all around the league. I think everybody's inspired by his story. He was the guy that those players trusted last season, so I think they're all pulling for him. So I think there's merit to the idea of maybe going with Forsberg out of the gate but uh, let's get your take on why you think Cam Talbot is going to be the number one this season.
1: 38 wins. <laughs> 38 wins last season. Now, granted, different team playing in front of him. But that uh, that trumps all in my book. I think the experience factor, um, a little older, um, a lot more games, a lot more time as a number one goalie. Obviously, Forsberg's really not had I guess you could say he was number 1 here but was he really actually declared he's our number 1 guy at any point during the last season? I think he's he's really slotted even even financially speaking, he's slotted as a backup. Uh, I just think that when it comes time at the training camp, I think that it's Cam Talbot's job and it's and it's his to lose and and he'll be the guy on day 1 and it, it, it maybe it's a 50/30 split. Fifty games to uh, to Talbot, and thirty games to Forsberg. That probably sounds about right, and I just I think Talbot's the guy from resume who will who will get the number one job.
0: Yeah, I think statistically and everything you look at it, he seems like the guy, and we know he's a high character guy, you know, for a couple of reasons because, uh, you know, I think back to that Craig Anderson situation, his wife was battling cancer, and that game in twenty sixteen when they're out in Edmonton and anderson comes out he gets shut out he's the game's first star well the guy who's the second star in that game and most people would have seen this on social media by now was cam talbot and he lingered around the oiler bench to give the guy um a bit of an ovation and uh, really respected craig anderson and that was classy across the board and i like the way that uh, talbot dealt with things because that that had to be hard I mean, the guy's an all-star last year He's a number one goalie on the fifth best team in the NHL. They're having like the, one of the best seasons in wild history. And they decide, you know what? We're not happy with our goaltending. We are going to go for it. and We want to bring in Mark andre Fleury. That's not an easy deal. And the way he just battled through that and had a phenomenal finish to the season, got <laughs> kind of looked over again with uh, them going with Mark andre Fleury, despite the fact Talbot had a 13-0-3 finish to the season. Certainly a high character guy, but, but he and Forsberg have things in common in that they basically kind of were underdogs. They they had to battle their way. I mean Talbot was not drafted. Forsberg bounced around the league the way he did, and both guys last season Greg had to battle the net or battle uh, a Stanley Cup winner of the past for the net, and both came out on top when it all was said and done. So I thought uh, you know I think there's a good chance that you know they'll respond well to each other for that reason that they both kind of respond to being pushed by their by their uh, timeshare. So I think uh, I think if I'm to guess right now, I think I'm probably going to go with platoon situation and maybe a few more games than than you broke down there for Anton Forsberg.
1: Well, I think either way, it's a nice situation to have. Like, let's face it, if they both yeah. play to the level that they've shown they're capable of playing to, then it's a great situation to, for DJ Smith and his staff to be in you know, it really doesn't matter which one goes in tonight, fellas, if they both can play to the same level. I, it'll be nice to see. And as you say, they both they both got a little bit of Rodney Dangerfield in them. They've, they've been disrespected here and there. And Talbot's bounced around a little, too, let's not forget. Um, so yeah. they both got things to prove. Um, you know, Talbot's got something to prove in that Minnesota distem. Even though you know everything they said out of Minnesota was we wanted to keep him, we wanted to have two, but he he could read it. Okay, yeah, you want two, but you want him to be number one. So I think he wants to prove that Minnesota should have kept him, and maybe say goodbye to Fleury. And of course Forsberg wants to live up to his to the um, to the confidence that that the team has placed in him, both from the player standpoint, the coaching staff, but also from a management ownership standpoint, the sort of confidence they they've shown him in signing him to that contract. So both guys have got something to prove and both guys are going to be here to play hard and uh, we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yep. Let us wrap up the show. And uh, before we actually do, before we do that, how about the fact that we've got all these so-called contenders in the Atlantic division right now, Greg stocking up on ex senators, <laughs> the Leafs got Matt Murray, Adam Gaudet, Victor Mete, Florida, Colin white, Michael Delzato, Rudolph's balsers. What is the deal? I mean, the Sens are in a rebuild here and these are the guys they're discarding along the way. And so, for some reason, the best teams in the Atlantic are just scooping them up.
1: Well, when, when you, when you've been rebuilding as long as the senators have, there's a lot of former players out there that you've traded away, bought out, gave up on whatever. So there's going to be just that many more of them out there available. So they got to They got to go somewhere, I guess. And uh, I don't know. I, Michael Delzado was a bit of a shocker to me, but Hey, to, to each his own, go ahead, sign, sign, whoever you like. Well, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Every night we'll have somebody new to talk about from a former senator standpoint when the senators are playing in the East all year.
0: Yeah. Let us close it out there. Don't forget our website is SensNationHockey.com. We appreciate you being with us here today. And we're going to leave you now. Both uh, Greg and I are massive minor hockey guys for sure. And uh, came across on TSN this week a great clip, yeah, an interview uh, that uh, actor Jeff Daniels did and uh, he had some cool things to say about the benefits of competitive minor hockey. Spoiler alert, it had nothing at all to do with hockey. Greg, enjoy your well, few, next few days, and we'll talk to you in our next episode. Good night, my friend. We'll see you. time you spend
1: in the car driving two hours to the rink for that 8 a.m. game and the time you spend driving back, that's why you do it and you talk to them about anything other than hockey. If they want to talk about the game, okay. But it was never about, you got to get that slap shot working because if you want to be at a D1 school, and I know you're only 10, but you've got to start getting to work. We were never that. And I think that our our time spent with the kids in those car rides, not talking about hockey, paved the way for the closest we have as a family in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. That was more important, Sam, than any career success I might have had.
0: Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review, share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at sensnationhockey.com.